Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Rack and Me Record, where we talk about all things related to customer communications, printing, mailing, multi-channel communications, anything to do with mass producing and distributing content to consumers to give them a better experience. I'm your host, Matt Mahoney, and today we have a special program for you. It's a replay of a webinar that we did uh, here in the summer of 2020. We're in uh, the, the world of COVID, and we asked a panel to come together of industry experts who are living in the trenches of printing, mailing, either in transactional processing, printing bills and other correspondence, or in the marketing arena. We also have a guest from the government agency, the state of Colorado, who runs the, the printing for all of the state, and a representative from an insurance company, one of the largest in the country, American Family Insurance. So they'll be sharing their perspectives on how they're dealing with COVID now, what it's meant to their operations, the technology changes they've made, the process changes, but also sharing their thoughts on what things that they've done recently that they think they will carry forward after the pandemic. Things that are just significant changes to the business that help them with efficiencies, with staffing issues and with technological changes, including the impact on disaster recovery, things that people haven't thought of for years and years because they just didn't seem relevant, it just were inconceivable in our lifetime. And now with the pandemic, these things had to be considered and have lasting value. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Lois Ritarasi, who's the moderator of the panel, and she will carry you forward with this recorded session. I hope you enjoy it. So now, Lois, I'd like to turn it over to you and your panel uh, on what they're learning and how they're facing the challenges. The screen is yours. Thank you, Mark. We've put together a panel of leaders, both from the print service provider side, as well as people running implant operations. Each of them are gonna share their experience as they manage and respond to changing customer needs and how they're evolving their organizations to be stronger in the future. Our panelists include Danelle Clark, who is the print operations manager at American Family Insurance, a $10 billion property and casualty firm. Mike Lincoln, the Colorado State Printer. Mike runs the implant operations serving state agencies and municipalities. Dina Kessler, who is the Chief Operations Officer at Kessler Creative, a full service direct marketing firm that has received several awards for innovation in direct mail. And Pamela Visconti, the Senior Director of Customer Communications at Conduent, a large BPO service provider. Thanks everyone for your participation today. Okay, to get our panel started, we're gonna start on the implant side and we're gonna start with Mike Lincoln and Danelle Clark. So I have a couple questions for you. So, um, Mike, can you share some of the challenges facing you and your organization as you have responded to changing business needs resulting from the COVID situation? Sure. Um, the, the problems are, are, are just, multiplying on a daily basis virtually. Um, really some of the challenges have been um, around keeping the staff engaged 
there's been a lot of concern with the staff, especially because we are considered business critical um, in, in the rest of the world where we're essential, but in state terms, we're business critical. Uh, we support a multitude of agencies that support the, the public. Um, we print things for human services, so food assistance, housing assistance, et cetera. We also handle the mailing for uh, unemployment claims. So our volumes have really skyrocketed in the transactional space. Um, and then the traditional printing side has really plummeted. Uh, I'd say, uh, you know, things like business cards and brochures and booklets, probably down 80, 90%. But the transactional volume is up 30, 40, and 50%, and sometimes more. So it really depends on the, the particular customer that we're servicing. So the challenges have been um, around how do we keep the staff engaged because those transactional um, items that we print, um, we have regulatory issues and we still have to meet SLAs. Uh, things have to get out the door. And then when you've got staff who may have family members who are you know, maybe at risk from a health standpoint, um, really don't want their you know, loved ones going to work, yet we need them here. Um, that, that's been a challenge for us. Um, okay. And then from a budgetary standpoint, things are getting crazy in the public sector. Um, so, you know, the, the challenges are, are many and we're trying to keep our, our head above water. Great. Thanks, Mike. So, Danelle, you print um, applications that are probably significantly different than um, the types of thing that Mike has to print in serving the state agencies and, and municipalities. What are some of the challenges you have faced in serving your uh, your policyholders and your customers? Um, actually, our print volumes have pretty much doubled since this started. Um, because claims are down, people are in their homes, people are driving less. So um, American Family chose to give that savings back to the customer um, by providing a check for auto owners. Mm -hmm. um, the last month was an increase of 4.2 million that we put out within two weeks. Um, significant increase and in we're doing that that project was done by a team all remotely I mean we were thrown into working remotely in a day and within two weeks this project came about um, and, you know there's people having to learn the gap of the learning the technology of virtual meetings and um, there's a big gap of knowledge with all of that uh, so it was definitely a challenge to get that project off the ground and get everybody communicating. Um, typically a project like that would take us four to six months and it was done from start to finish in four weeks. Um, so it's pretty incredible to see that while we faced many challenges in learning how to bridge that gap in, in the communication, the end result was pretty phenomenal to see what we were able to accomplish. That's that's a great success. So so Mike, as you're you, you know you're dealing with staffing and keeping them engaged um, and being an essential worker, and Danelle having a huge increase in volume due to um, strategic business decisions to support customers. Um, can you share what are some operational changes that you've made that you will continue to use that have you've seen as a benefit to your operation or as a benefit to serving your customers? Well, from the state standpoint, um, the, the work from home model for all of our administrative staff uh, is probably something we're going to stay with. Uh, our governor has expressed interest in keeping a large majority of the state workforce working from home. Um, 
there was always that fear that uh, maybe letting people work from home, they weren't going to be as productive as, as they could be if they were on site. But I think a lot of those fears have been uh, dismissed. Uh, we're, we're finding productivity is, is equal to, if not more than it was when they were in the office. Uh, I've talked to many staff that say that um, they're, they're working more hours um, just because, you know, they, they get going early and take a small break. Um, Peter was talking about that earlier. You know, people take breaks and take a breather and um, get back to it. And, and we're seeing um, the business evolve, I think, from that standpoint. Um, the problem that we also see is some of the production staff, a little jealous of that, um, but we're working through those, those challenges. Um, going forward, I think we've found new ways to leverage our transactional space. Um, in, in offices that we support across the state, you have administrative staff who traditionally may have printed 100 letters and stuffed them themselves, then sent them to us to mail. Well, we're looking at ways we can leverage some of the technology that we have so we can automate that process so they don't have to do the hand stuffing anymore. They don't have to be printing on their MFDs. They can send it to the print center. We can consolidate those small jobs into to larger jobs and then automate that process and leverage the what we do for the state and, and bring some efficiencies. So I can see that uh, being a mainstay as we move forward. Uh, I would imagine a lot of those staff are gonna be staying from home. Well, they don't have the resources or the ability to get that into our mail streams. So uh, I can see that being a lasting thing on our side. Well, I'm glad to hear that technology is allowing people to be productive from home. Um, Danelle, can you share with us um, some operational changes you've made that are new procedures that you think you'll keep in place? Yeah. What Mike said is a lot of what's happening for us. You know, 99% um, of our people are working from home. They're just the essential workers, the production operations are the only ones on site. Um, I do see that continuing. I mean, there will be a portion of essential workers that will be allowed to come back into the office, but I, I definitely see the company seeing how effectively we're still able to serve our customers. Um, and we've lost nothing on that working remotely. So um, big cost savings there too, and, you know, building costs and um, leases and all of that. Um, we have implemented um, some procedures in the operations environment. Um, our operators do wear masks now. Um, we try to, their workstations are now at least six feet apart. Um, we used to have shifts that overlapped and they no longer overlap. So we lessen, you know, the contact with people and we see that continuing. Great. Danelle, I'm sure that you had extensive uh, disaster recovery and business continuity plans so that you can meet the needs of your customers. Um, how helpful were those plans in responding to an epidemic that maybe was not um, uh, something that people would have considered to take into account in putting together disaster recovery and business continuity? Um, I think that what we learned is that our disaster recovery is probably not as strong as we had hoped it was. Mm -hmm. um, we have two facilities and they mirror each other, but they're both in Madison, Wisconsin. So they're both in the same location. They're both for American families. So the, we went through the question of what if our operations have to shut down? Like, what if? Like, what are we going to do? We have no options. There's nobody that we can just quickly send our jobs to. Um, we have some pretty complicated jobs. There, um, it would take a lot of testing and a lot of reconfiguration to just send those off to a third party on a whim. 
So uh, we've identified that we definitely need to invest some time in looking at a third party, you know, in, in the case of a pandemic. Got it. Thank you. Thank both of you for sharing. I'm going to ask a few questions of Pam and Dina, and then I'm going to bring all of you back at the end for uh, for a couple more questions. Thanks for your mm -hmm. input. So you've heard from uh, Mike and Danelle about some of the challenges and some of their responses in their organization. Pam and uh, Dina are on the service provider side, and I have a couple of questions for you. So Pam, can you share what changes have you made in response to your customers and your employees in the large volume transactional printing that you do um, to support customers on a global basis? So we spent a lot of time uh, obviously planning for what might may happen. Communication is definitely key, and not just um, you know weekly staff meetings, but daily communications and prepping for what may occur. Um, so from an employee standpoint, I think that was the you know very key for us also you know from a physical standpoint separating our employees um, and then communicating what we're doing with our clients you know their concern for our staff then delivering for them on a day-to-day -day basis meeting SLAs was really really um, critical to our success and continued success um, you know I can't stress that enough that the day-to-day -day communication between each team is so critical you know, and obviously pushing everybody from, you know, as, as much as possible to a remote workforce. So, you know, pulling the, the support staff out of the site um, was definitely a, a huge change for our employees. And I think uh, it was, you know, mentioned a little bit earlier, the, the change in that support and now being able to communicate to the implant and making sure that that's happening on a regular basis. Um, so obviously just you know having those those day-to-day -day touch points with the clients um, it was again planning for what um, we didn't know what was going to happen but also talking about very critical programs um, if and when we had to move how would we move their jobs um, you know it was funny that we discussed a little bit earlier bcp and dr are very different in this environment um, so if you had to choose a, a critical path and a critical job, which ones would those, those be so we could staff rank what we're producing for each customer first? Thank you. So, so Dina, um, in, in the direct marketing world, um, where some people are seeing a, a huge volumes of decrease in marketing mail, and I know you work very closely with your clients on creative solutions to help them grow their business. So can you share with us some of the changes you've made to uh, assist your customers in being effective and responsive during the COVID situation? Sure. So for us, when things started to unfold in the U.S., it was more a matter of understanding, you know, our goal was we want to protect our staff. We want to keep them healthy and safe while meeting our clients' needs. But we really had to go out and understand what that meant. We serve a variety of clients from different industries. Um, so before stay-at-home orders started to be issued, it was regular conversations, communicating with our clients to say, if stay-at-home orders happened, what does that happen for you? Do you have to shut down? You know, are you able to send your team to work remotely? What does it look like? And how can we help you during this time? There's a lot of companies that went out and outright said, uh, we're going dark in our marketing. Well, marketing serves like a variety of forms, right? So it's not just about promoting our product, it's also about I'm here for my customers. So if I'm a restaurant and I go dark in my marketing, but yet I've turned my operation to takeout orders, I'm still here for my clients. So I have to let them know that. So those are individual conversations we started happening having with our customers to say, 
What is it you need from us? How can we help you during these times? What do you need us to do? Do you need takeout menus in exchange for your regular menus? You know, do you need um, to send a message out there, whether it's digital or mail, to let people know, hey, we're going to be here. We're going to be doing takeout orders. Here will be the process to order that. And so once we understood all that from clients, we were able to then internally say, okay, here's what we need to do as our operation. Obviously, again, focused around our team because we needed them health, healthy and safe. Um, so we put into all the practices we needed to based on CDC guidelines um, out there, the mask, wearing masks in-house. We do daily shift meetings. We do daily production meetings. They're large groups. They're within, you know, close quarters. So we had to shift some of that to say, okay, everybody stay at your desk. We're going to be, you know, calling in. We'll do webinars instead to talk, talk about production meetings. We have a weekly staff meeting. We took that from inside to outside. We're blessed. We're in Florida, so the weather's great. So now everybody's spread out outside, and we're still having communication because we have to share with the team the same thing. What's the message? What do they need to know? You know, if you are sick, if you have symptoms, where do you go? What do you do? So for us, it was a matter of like not just our clients, but our team and everything we needed to do in between to keep them safe. Wow, thanks, that's, that's insightful. Um, Pam, can you share what tools have been most useful in managing change and why? So it, it sort of in managing all the things that were different for your staff, both those running equipment and those who could work remotely, what types of tools helped you manage change and, um, and what's been your perspective on, on change management? So definitely from a you know, technology standpoint, all of our um, workflow management tools, critical um, to how we're pushing work to our different locations, our BCP sites. Um, so I would say, you know, top of the order, definitely that it, they worked very well um, and allowed us to move volumes to each of our locations when needed. Um, also from a client standpoint, them being able to see what we're moving, you know, how is it producing in that particular site, giving them a more singular view um, through our multiple locations. You know, from a communication standpoint, um, you know, we use Teams uh, and I, it's so valuable for us. You know, we can't talk face to face um, and have that contact with our, you know, our employees or even our customers like we used to. So having the, that tool and being able to video chat um, and then send out messaging is, uh, has been really key for us. That's great. So, so Dina, can you share um, tools that have allowed you guys to be successful in managing change and, and what's been the impact of them? Definitely. So same as Pam, like our MIS system was really huge for us. We're always able to get a, a glimpse into exactly what's going on in the operation, which pieces of equipment are slower than others, how do we ship team members. Um, but also for us, it was two other forms, um, storefronts. So during this time, while marking mail is declining, we were able to turn around and say, well, signage is growing and everybody needs it. And so we were able to build storefronts from uh, COVID signs that people would need in bulk, as well as a lot of graduations getting canceled out there, a lot of sad kids. So graduation signs were a big hit, um, celebration signs, anything like that. And having the storefront, we're obviously less team members having to man that and just the orders coming in offline streamlined the process and made things very simple for us. Um, and it's for us, it's been something we've been focused on since last year. How do we automate as much as we can? So as a smaller company, 
the more we can automate, the better for our team, the more that the, you know, the team can do and navigate through in a day. Um, so we have a team that actually meets on a regular basis to work on automating all processes. They'll take, you know, even our down to our inkjet process. Okay, what are we currently doing on inkjet um, that we can automate and make it more simple for the team members and get things out the door quicker? Great. Yeah, I agree with you know on the automation. Definitely a key point. Um, making sure that we're automating every single point that we possibly can in the process and eliminating as much touch. That's great. So, you know, Peter shared about innovation and prototyping, and I know you both have diverse and talented staff that have lots of functions they do on a daily basis. Can you share any innovative things that were kind of bottom up that once you sort of put the challenge to your staff and your teams, ideas that came from them that um, you you were able to adopt and, and, and be able to use? You know, we had a, a project in, in place. It's for our inbound mailroom. Uh, so we had, you know, already starting to move hyperscience and and moving more automation, machine learning there. So that actually took a, you know, huge leap forward with all of this. So not a, a new idea, but definitely um, an accelerated idea in our business, um, taking the forefront to automate as much as possible in that in that area. A lot of touch in the inbound mailrooms. Mm -hmm. We had a similar thing. Um, so we had a team come together over multiple jobs. So if things are not exactly the same, but they're similar, and they were able to take, say, real estate agents, right? There's great mail out there for real estate, real estate agents, but it's not always in larger volumes. So how do we make that come through the system more efficiently and, and less touches? Same thing. And they were able to take um, like jobs and we gang them from pre-press, from list processing, all the way through the system out the door to the post office. So a little bit of uh, downtime during COVID times has helped give them the time to actually do that, which has been awesome. So have any of you considered changing processes around how to how to incent people for innovation or creative brainstorming so that you've seen or sort of had the time to stop and think and giving your teams the time to do that. Is that some process that you'll change and think about going forward? Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll challenge you to, to consider making that a process. I'd like to um, bring back Mike and Danelle and I have a question for all four panelists that we like to chat a little further about because I think you'll all have some interesting perspective. Um, so I'm sure all of you went through strategic planning and budgeting at some point during third and fourth quarter or at the beginning of the year and 2020 looked pretty different in January than it did in March and April. So I'd, I'd like to hear from some of you and let's, uh, let's start with Danelle. Um, what has changed in terms of your plans for investment in technology and equipment? Here we are now, it's May, versus what you thought the organization was planning to do in January, and how you guys are now looking at um, in your investment strategy around your print operation for the balance of 2020. Um, I have to say that we were pretty well equipped for this. Um, we started a project in 2015 to upgrade all of our equipment, implement new software for the print management, um, so when this all hit, our capacity is actually greater than it was with less pieces of equipment. So this was 2020 was the year that we actually didn't plan on investing in anything more because we had just laid our framework. So it, for us, it like worked out perfect that like we were definitely ahead of the game for this one. 
That's wonderful. So Pam, you're responsible at Conduit for a very large operation, multiple print mail locations and, and global clients. Can you um, give us some insight in terms of what your investment strategy was around equipment and technology and how maybe that's changed? Yeah, we had, um, you know, we did have to reevaluate our projects, which are key projects. There are, you know, some as far as equipment that we were planning on doing and we've still moved forward with, you know, really gaining the efficiencies and some of those upgrades are really important. Um, the same with automation. Um, there were some projects that were already underway um, that really need, we needed to complete so that we could gain the efficiencies that we really need right now in this environment. Um, and, you know, cuts down on our, our cost, but also pushes through more more work, you know, in a more automated fashion and with less equipment. I'm sure your partners would be very happy to hear that you're moving forward with those investments. Yes, I'm sure they are. <laughs> so, so, Mike, you have the challenge of now uh, having increased volumes due to the nature of some of the work that you do and um, challenges with employees who maybe were able to do things in their office that they can't now. So what's changed in terms of your investment outlook in supporting your operation? Well, very similar to my colleagues here, we, we've got some investments that just have to move forward um, from production standpoint in order to gain some efficiencies and, and reduce downtime on some of the, the aging equipment, we just have to move forward. There's, there's no um, opportunity to say we're not gonna do that. Um, and then some other areas, there, there were some things that from my perspective, we needed to have um, which are now being reevaluated re into it'd be nice to have it, but we can probably survive without. Um, we're looking at 10 to 20% budget cuts in the next uh, fiscal year, which starts in July. And so we're all being asked, uh, state agencies, to, to find ways we can trim those costs. And so um, we are making some strategic decisions to move forward in the areas that we have to. And then other areas, we may have to put them on hold for 18 to 24 months. It's not ideal, but it, it's the reality that we have to exist in today. Yep. And Dina, give us your perspective from, from the marketing side and sort of the commercial print and the wide format side. Um, the nature of some of your applications is different than everybody else on the panel. What is your perspective on a planned investment versus what you may do now? So the interesting part for us was right in the midst of uh, COVID, we had already signed to bring in another inkjet technology printer. Um, and so during it, it was being installed. So that was, it was more at that time about, I need to keep my team safe. How do I keep them safe while I have more people in the building I really didn't want to? Luckily, our vendor was willing to work with us about outside hours to minimize how many people were in the building. Um, and I have to say, we're absolutely not sorry that we move forward with that because for us, it's the same. It's the inkjet technology, the ability to get more out quicker um, with variable processing for advertising is awesome. So it's been a great decision. Our other piece to that is technology. Um, we've been on the hunt for over a year. What we wanted to do was to add more value to our marketing campaigns for our customers, all enhanced around the mail. And we've been studying platforms for the last year and found one that we absolutely loved. And so the perfect time for us to move forward actually was during it because we had time to say, okay, now we can understand this platform so that we can prepare our salesforce to be able to sell it and share it with our clients. Yeah, it's nothing like having more time to do a system integration without the whole shop being crazy, right? Exactly, it was perfect timing. Good so. for you. 
Well, uh, I'd like to ask the panelists an opportunity of, we have uh, about 102 attendees out there that are listening intently to, to all of the information that you're sharing. And um, I know that Dina, you had mentioned a question when we were on our pre-call. Um, what is a question you'd like to ask of the panelists and um, for all of you, excuse me, a question for the attendees, for all of you who are out there as attendees, Mark had ref referenced, please use the question um, box in your um, control panel and we'd love to hear some responses from the group out there. Dina, what was your um, most interesting marketing question? Is, it's about marketing. So during the time of COVID, all the marketing messages that you heard out there, were there any that stood out to you that were an excellent use of marketing during this time? And were there any that you felt in the same light that would have been in bad taste? Great. So we'd love from he hear from the attendees who are listening in. So of all the marketing messages out there, what have uh, what resonated with you that was helpful and informative or you took action on and what was maybe something in bad taste? And we'd love if you guys would respond in the questions, um, in the questions panel. Mark, do we have any other questions for the panelists? So uh, there, there is one response. Uh, one person mentioned that they just received a direct mail piece for a cruise ship. So that they felt was inappropriate. Um, but I'm actually seeing a lot more and actually well done direct mail from nonprofits at this time. I didn't know if other of the panelists have seen that as well. I have I personally um, have several nonprofits that I that are charities that I uh, send checks to regularly and I have seen some really timely appropriate marketing messages about why they still need donations and what they're doing that's relevant to the crisis and beyond the crisis as it impacts their organization so I would concur some of the nonprofits and charities that have been highly effective in providing relevant messages um, Pam, Mike, or Danelle, do you have any questions um, of our attendees out there? We are, we're seeing some great responses come in. Mark, if you want to share some. Sure. So, um, you know, Mike Porter shared that Pep Boys have started a series about how to care for your car, your car while it's just sitting in the garage. Uh, and Kathy Rupert has been talking about what she's seeing on commercials. I don't know how many of you have seen the Postal Service actually has a great commercial out there right now about how they are there for the United States and, and for all of us at this time. Yeah, I would agree that the USPS um, commercial is, is, is really excellent. Well, we would like to thank all the panelists um, and we would move on to the next portion of our webinar. Mark? Lois, thank you. And thank you, Danelle, Michael, Dina, and Pamela. We really appreciate you sharing your experiences and your expertise.